It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon, heading into the longest weekend of the year. Yes, the longest day is on Monday, so this is the longest weekend. Enjoy it, because after that, the time slightly creeps back quite quickly, to be honest with you. But uh, anyway, we have this uh, lovely weekend to look forward to. The weather is a little bit changeable, I think, on Sunday. But look, it's nice, isn't it? It's really nice this time of year. The long evenings, warmer, nothing really to complain about. Welcome to the show. We have lots to do over the next couple of hours and people to meet. I have a €500 voucher for House Proud Furniture to give away to somebody today. There's still a chance to get in the hat with the four finalists we have already. I have a lovely little prize for you. I have the riddle on Friday, yes. I have my riddle stand by for that but we begin today yes schools out for a lot of students at the moment primary schools going out next week and of course at the end of year what did you look forward to receiving or did you your school report louise walsh do you remember getting your school reports and what kind of reports were they were they good bad or indifferent all good i'm afraid mine were very boring were they yeah Always good. I was the one in the class that just always did their work and was very quiet. A model child? Not a model child. My mother would tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was very good at school. It was after school the problem came. <laughs> I think wild child was more the description. I'll have to have a chat with Patsy offline about that. I'm sure she'll fill me in. Oh God, but a better but warner. Listen, you, you, you never mitched? No, you I couldn't your, see the point. You did your homework? Yep. Loved the homework. Uh, you were good in class? Did you participate? You know, did you get involved? Did you, you know, not really? Not really. Yeah, I'd be too shy. Yeah. Shy. I had no confidence. So the hand wouldn't go up, you know, very seldom. I was like you. Yeah, you were right. I was like you. you were probably teaching the class by the end of it. (laughs) Louise Walsh. There's no way you were shy. I was shy in school. If Mm -hmm. you ask fellas that I went to school with, they would tell you that I was very quiet in school and reserved. I don't know what happened subsequently. (laughs) I can't put my finger on it. I think you think think you're shy. I was a little, I talk a little bit maybe. Do you know what I mean? And I got into trouble for talking. I know that. And uh, I'd answer, I might give an answer back at times to certain teachers, others you'd be afraid of. But listen to this. When will you tell you what? Knowing we were going to do this today and thank you, we have some school reports mm. in already. Have you got an old school report? Anybody listening today have an old school report at home? 
I'd love to hear from you. And we have uh, reports we're going to tell you about in a moment. But if you have, you could WhatsApp them into us if you care to. 086-1800-658. I remember uh, the text number, the same number again, 086-1800-658. But let me tell you, I found a report, Louise, OK? I have a report for you. a report from who? For me, for me. For, <laughs> it's a written it's not, parchment. It's not from the guards. No, it's a report. It's a school report, yes. From St. Joseph CBS, uh, I was in class 10, 20 and 30. They went up like that through the years. I started in class 10 in first year. I was young. I told you this before, mm. going to secondary school. And yeah, actually, yeah. I sat my intercert when I was 14 and I'd completed my leaving cert at 16, which was far too young. But that was for a reason many years before where I moved on classes quickly. They thought I was smarter than I actually was. They made a mistake. Anyway, uh, ahead of the intercert in 1976, Mm. I have my marks from I went into secondary school right up. And this is thanks to Con McGinley, who gave them to me one time. And, you know, they're, they're average enough through the different tests in the years. They average in the 50s. You know what I mean? I was not getting, bad. Yeah, 52, 57, 56, 55, in that type of area there. And before uh, the uh, intercert at the time, this was in the spring of 1976, I was on the 56 mark. And this was the little remark on the report. Mm-hmm. OK, it says, listen to this. Gerard, Gerard, remember, that's my name. <laughs> My mother and my sister call me Jared. No, you know, though, Lord okay, mercy, Jared. my mother, she wouldn't call me anything else. And my dad and my sister still does. Jared is a good worker, diligent, quite shy in class, <laughs> but well positioned to sit all papers at higher level, at higher level in his intercert exams. So there you are. Now, you thought I was joking. Shy in class. Did you write that yourself this morning? No, I Jared. didn't. Me. <laughs> backside that was me I'm telling you I was a shy fella I, re- I was afraid and I'll tell you I wasn't wasn't one to put your hand up or stand up in front of the class or that type of thing I really wasn't I wasn't and, and was your desk perfect did you write only with blue pen <laughs> yes <laughs> and I wrote very neatly and I'm still like that, aren't I? I used to write and very I'm neatly. And I'm organised. Will you go away out of that? <laughs> She's like a pigeon with ink on its feet running across the desk. I Good luck to, to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me just give a flavour. I and mean, we have somebody waiting on the line to talk to us. But let me tell you, do you know our David Sheehan? Our David Sheehan from Sunday Sport. I'd say he was very brainy. Listen to what it says on David Sheehan's uh, school report. David is a very good student with great ability. He lacks concentration at times. I had to give him a few digs over that here when I was training him in. That's true. On the other hand, he has a very sharp memory, which compensates. That's our David. And I look, look at his report. Oh, he was a model student, David Jean. Very good in every category. Very good in almost every category. He's a smart boy, that. Now, on the other hand, Mr. Eamon Doyle sent me in his report, Okay, (laughs) Brace yourselves. This could be my last late lunch. It could be all over. could be all finished today. Anyway, Eamon's report from Christmas 1974. Okay, And I'll just run down through his grades. Religious knowledge, good. Oh, there you are. Did you know that? Eamon, religious knowledge, good. English, fair. Irish, poor. Poor and Irish. He loves Irish history, Eamon Doyle. Anyway, arithmetic, reading, history, geography, writing, all fair. Drawing, good. Elocution, fair. Attendance, very good. Punctuality, he is very, very good. General conduct, <laughs> fair. He'd be a wild boy, I'd say. I'd <laughs> say he'd have a job managing Doyle in the class. There's I no doubt about that. I would have said he would have been shy. 
Yeah, he probably was as well. I think, will I tell you, uh, Louise, it was of the time. You know, you it were... Had fr- yes, it had yes. to be Had to be quiet. Yes, I'll tell you, you could, you know, you wouldn't step out of line. And it was the environment that we were in. So that's Eamon's report. Thanks, Eamon. Lovely to have it. Your school reports. Who's waiting for me on the line? Who have we, Louise? Who's waiting there for me to chat Ramona to Ramona Cunningham, Ramona. who started this whole thing <laughs> off when we spotted her report. We did. Hello. That's brilliant. Hello, Ramona. Hey, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Oh, listen, we're very grateful. Look what you started. Yeah, I know. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's a great <laughs> thing to actually, you know, go back and have a little peek, which I did myself. Tell us about you. Where did you go to school? Or where's the report you're talking about from? Um, it was uh, from St. Joseph's Convent in Appoy. Uh, that's, uh, I think it was 1996. So it would have been me junior sort year when okay. that report was made. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 were were there a mix of teachers, lay teachers, or were there religious in the school? Um, no, uh, there was there was a few nuns staying yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was it was a mi- it was a mixed school as well. Mm, right. Yeah. Louise has your report. Louise, will you open up that report in there? My little thing here has given me jip. Louise is going to open up. And we're going to do a little. Right. We're going to do a twenty uh, twenty one report on Ramona Cunningham back in ninety six. <laughs> Tell us though. You know the way myself and Louise were talking about being reserved and shy. What were you like in the classroom? Um, I was definitely a wild child. <laughs> it was actually probably lucky that I got a report on <laughs> that day. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, um, I, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of interest in school and I think my report reflects that. So, <laughs> Did you ever get in, in trouble? Like, did you ever do it? Like, 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 look at Louise. Do you believe Louise was that she didn't feck off from I school didn't. in that day? And, never did. Do you believe her, Ramona? Um, yeah, um, well, I I got suspended for Mitchin when Did I was you? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I probably spent a lot of time outside the door of my classes where I had been kicked out for laughing or talking or something. So, yeah. <laughs> and listen, when 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 you when you when you went on the Mitch, where did you go? What did you do? Um, there was fields kind of down there, there was a Protestant church in Appoy and there was kind of there was fields down by a river and we used to go down there and spend the day drinking oh no <laughs> yeah. alcohol yes oh my god <laughs> yeah so yeah as I said wild child did you take a pull of an old fag oh absolutely you did you got fined for it yeah. did you did you get fined is that what's on the report yeah, that's at the bottom of the report. I got fined uh, for smoking. <laughs> How much was the fine? I think it was £20, I think it was at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and did you have to pay it or your parents? Or did you pay it at all? No, my mother paid it. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> that was probably equivalent to like four packets of cigarettes, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And then there was another. There was another day my fags were actually taken off me. I oh. only have to buy. I was only have to buy in twenty, and I only had one. Oh, no, <laughs> oh no! And I bet you the teacher smoked them. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think she did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have, have have you have you can you see there, Louise, have, what they yeah, had to just, say about Ramona? Yeah. Go on. Um, okay, I won't read out the grades. No, I'll just read out the comments. So yeah, the comments. Business, comments. Uh, not working. Oh, English, good progress. Ah, geography, not working. No interest in the class. <laughs> German, 
But you pass German, fair play. Chatty, giddy, in class, no effort being made. <laughs> History, good progress. Uh, home economics, I, I just, I think that was a good, uh, cons- consistent. Oh, very so good. So that's good. That's great. It's kind of hard to read. Irish, uh, could do a lot better. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm maths, ju- <laughs> very disappointing. But satisfactory in PE. Oh, there you go. So she could. She's a sportswoman. She can cook. And the reason the geography was a bit of a problem. Well, they could have told her she, she did know her geography. How to get down those fields and near the river, and you know, be. Yeah, exactly. And the general, the general comment was: Ramona does not seem to be very interested in school. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Ramona, was it that bad? Yeah, well, the only, the only reason I got kind of the good comments there from the English and the history teacher because it was the same teacher and um, <laughs> he wouldn't say anything bad about anyone. So. <laughs> God, you've been awful hard on yourself, but you've been so honest. I love your honesty. I really do. Well, uh, did it? Did, did you know? Did you did you feel you missed out? If you were if you were if you were your younger self again, would you do anything different, Ramona? No, not be the exact same way again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You are a character. We're going for a pint some night, me and you oh, and okay. Louise and any others you can round up from that wild school of yours. There, I'd be too good yeah. to go for a pint with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you hear that? Whiter than white. I'd say religious knowledge she got in AR, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but you know, you, you just see, as I said, how, you know, this brings memories back to people and of times, you know, of yesteryear as well. And you're more recent than myself there, 96 as well. Anyway, in life, what did you go on to do after school? Um, well, I worked in a few jobs after, but um, now for the last 14 years, we're actually um, running a dog rescue now. So Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. So. And did you did you sit your uh, was it junior or intercert at the time and leave insert? You did all that, did you? Yeah, I did, yeah, I did me leave and yeah, yeah, yeah. and I did and I did actually pass it. Good woman. Yeah. Well done to you. Look, and I say that as well. That's important to uh, realise. You know, we get hung up and understandably, and young people and their parents round about this time. But you know what? It's only a marker in life. You know yeah, that, Ramona. Yeah you're, yeah, you're exactly right there. It's yeah, a for point sure. Point in time. Do you ever see any of the crew that you went to school with now? Are you in contact with anybody? The friendships remain. Ah, uh, yeah. Like there's a lot I'm still in fr- friends with now on Facebook. Yeah, you know, and there there is some like that I see, you know, as well. Like, and we go for a bite together. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ramona Cunningham's my kind of woman. I can tell you for sure. There for sure. Anyway, and, and you know, on, you talk about social media and friends and that. This went bonkers, didn't it? When you put it up, people were just coming with their uh, yeah. their own memories from all over the place. Yeah, it did, yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually expect it to be kind of as popular as what yes. it was, to be honest. But I think, I think the people that kind of knew me back then weren't a bit surprised anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway, all I can say is the dogs are lucky. They really yeah, are because they have a lovely person looking after them, real warm and a character indeed. Ramona, you're a star. Thank you so much for joining no me, and problem. I wish you well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care now. Bye bye. Isn't she a ticket? She really is a ticket. We will be talking more about your school reports. Care to share them with us? Dare to share them with us? 086 1800 658. Come on, WhatsApp or text me now. 
Your riddle on Friday. Are you ready to go? I'm coming back to the reports in a moment. Let me give you your riddle on Friday. I have a lovely little gift to send out to one of you. Are you ready? Have a listen to our riddle this Friday. I have two arms, but fingers none. I have two feet, but cannot run. I carry well, but carry best with my feet off the ground. What am I? One more time. Listen carefully. I have two arms, but fingers none. I have two feet, but cannot run. I carry well, but carry best with my feet off the ground. What am I? Answers to the usual numbers. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, let me get round to some of these here. Uh, Hold on one second. Hi, Jerry. I have a report from 1974. That's a few of us around that era, which said 90% in history, chemistry, biology and English. But my maths teacher said, I'll never get on in life. (laughs) Oh, Matty. I had the pleasure of meeting him, Jerry, after getting a degree in computer science and engineering. And Matty is smiling. God, it must be a great feeling when somebody tells you that. Nobody should ever tell you that. Nobody should ever really put you down. You know, be honest. But like a put down like that, you'll never get on in life. Holy God. Hi, LMFM. I found my primary school report from the class of 1985. This comes in from Brian and Slane today. And it says, Brian has good intentions to get work done. His English, Irish and maths are good. History and geography need help. No interest in playing the recorder. Physical education doesn't show any interest either. Otherwise... He's a good student. <laughs> I think that's a nice report, Louise, isn't it? For Brian. I, I think it's lovely. I'd be happy with that one. I really would. I wonder, can he still play the recorder? Oh, uh, come on, Brian. Can you play it? Sure, anyone can play a recorder, couldn't they? Or tin whistle. <laughs> oh, the whistle as well. I'm only cotton. I'm only cotton. Some people don't take to it at all. Yeah, you know, it's a point in time. It's a memory. Some people, you know, I, I, I say it again, Louise. I've been to school with people who were bordering on genius you know I mean unbelievable at maths and physics and things like that and I have to say I remember a couple of them in particular and they went on to study at university and lost their way you know what I mean Mm. lost their way and there were people who struggled at school and today and in life you know they've they've made their way education is fantastic and no education is ever wasted on anybody but you know it is a point in time with the exams and it's no burden to carry through your life and education is marvellous marvellous to have but there are different paths in this life for everybody one you know, size doesn't fit all not at all not at all and the all. curriculum doesn't suit others yes, as well as it suits yes some. simply 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 like that yes really anyway if you care to share I know it's something some people are a little bit uneasy with if you care to share your school report with us on late lunch today WhatsApp or text us your memories even of it if you can summarise it or if you can take a little snap of it which I've been getting do that 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text us to the show if you want to call in with a comment it's 1850-715-958 There's a good um, good listener one of our good listeners Brendan yes. from Navin um, he heard we were doing it this morning he heard your promo and he said oh 
my that brings back memories. It used to be the cause of fights galore in the house really? when the parents would get his <gasps> his school report. Mm, mm. Oh, listen, don't be too hard on them. You do have to guide as well, but you know. Thanks, Brendan. Lovely to hear from you on the show today. Coming up after two, Anna McPartland. She's a good friend of ours. She's a brilliant author and writer. She has a new book. It's very personal. She's talking about her own infertility. Go nowhere. Stay with us. Taking us to news and weather at two o'clock. Ah, this is the one. This is the one for today. Alice Cooper, we dedicate this to all students going on holidays in the near future. School's out for summer. Yeah! Karina O'Malley, Maria Manning, Joan Martin and Mary Caffrey are in the hat. I need one more today. Yes, I have a €500 Euro voucher to give away for House Proud Furniture, Northlink, Retail Park, Dundalk. They are just open and waiting to help you with all your home furnishing requirements. The bedroom, sofas and chairs, dining room, you name it, they have it all. They're open seven days, 9.30 till 6 uh, on Monday through Saturday and Sundays 1 to 6 and they're lovely people and they have everything you will need. Give them a shout. They will look after you. So we've been playing musical chairs all week. You know the story. I'm going to play a clip from a well-known song and when it stops, like the musical chairs, you have to jump in and tell me what is the next word of the song and today it's text only text 086 1800 658 your answer with your details to get in the hat later on today on late lunch let's have a listen He's still looking for it. Bono and the boys, they're still looking for it all these years later. What's the next word in that famous U2 song? Smash hit for them. What is the next word? Text only 086-1800-658. And the eighth correct answer, number eight, will be in the hat later today. Now, when her first book, Pack Up the Moon, was published, she packed in the day job. And boy, did Anna McPartland do the right thing. She's an international best-selling author published in 15 languages. She's a multi-award winner and she's back with what I can only describe as a masterpiece. It's called Waiting for the Miracle. She's one of my favourite guests and she's standing by. Hello, Anna. Ah, Jerry, and you're one of my favourite radio DJs. How's it going? <laughs> it's going really, really well. And I'm delighted to have you with me today because in all the times I've interviewed you, I, I have to say to you, this book touched me more than most because you have wow. a particularly personal interest in the subject matter because really it, you yourself have spent years coming to terms with your infertility. Yep. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So I suppose it took me a long time to write a book like this and I never thought I would, to be honest, which it never really dawned on me as an idea for a story. Um, and I suppose I'll, I'll tell the listeners a little bit about yep. it first and then I'll tell you where it came from. Mm. So the idea is that four women meet in an infertility group, support group in 2010 and they end up going on to have a profound effect on one another's lives. And then it's a dual timeline story. So there's also a story. Then we go back to 1976 and there's a young girl called Catherine and she ends up being pregnant and alone and she gets turfed into a mother and baby institution. And it's about her fight for survival and to keep her baby. Mm. So that's the story. And the personal bit for me 
is that um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis after 10 years of suffering and going in and out of hospitals all the time. And by the time they diagnosed it and by the time of my first operation, it became very clear that uh, the effect on my fertility was quite severe. And so there was operations and IVF. And then we discovered that actually my eggs had been damaged as well. So at that point, we kind of, well, we gave up with the intervention, but I suppose we always kind of hoped that we'd have a miracle of our own. Mm. You know, the story where Mm. people, you hear about that woman that, you know, has been trying for 17 years and then one day she falls pregnant. Well, I was hoping that would be me. And now I'm at the age where I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen. And you've come to terms with this eventually because I have to say, I was a talk about being moved by the book and there you pop up in the Sunday Independent last Sunday, uh, bearing your soul to the nation. And uh, again, you know, it is so touching. I just want to ask you one thing about it. Um, You went for IVF once. You found it really tough and you didn't go back there. Why? Because it was during the IVF that we realised how damaged my eggs were. So it's one thing to have damage, you know, and then to have your eggs be okay, and, you know, to have the help to get what, I mean, we didn't even have an embryo that, I mean, all the way along, I was with the Marian Fertility Clinic and all the way along, they kept telling me, we're only putting one embryo in. We're not a, a clinic that likes to encourage multiple births. This is not what we do. And I said, that's fine. One embryo would suit me down to the ground. Thank you very much. And then the day they... The, the day of the egg retrieval, I knew I was in trouble. And then the day when they spoke to me about the embryos, um, they were like, we're going to put two in because the they just weren't good mm. quality and there was nothing to freeze. And I realized that the damage had occurred to them as well. So I suppose we could have gone on. We could have tried other things, but we knew the chances were very slim. And we had, an, we had a choice to make. Are we going to keep putting ourselves through that level of pain and heartache um, over and over again, where the likelihood is we wouldn't succeed and we'd actually damage the life that we had? Mm. Or would we give up and just hope for the best that maybe something might happen and just try and get on with our lives? And that's what we chose to do. But honestly, Jerry, I'm not going to lie to you. Initially, that we thought that was a great idea and, and it worked very well for us. But when I realized that the time was out and that, you know, that miracle wasn't happening, we did both got very sad yeah. at one point. And, we, and I definitely felt guilty that I hadn't put myself through more at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I was writing this book um, and I spoke to so many women who direct messaged me and were just so brilliant and open and honest that I realized that no matter what you do, you feel guilty. Every one of them felt guilt about something. And it was all something different. Mm-hmm. And even women that went on to have babies felt guilt. Yeah. Um, so I think that was kind of, it's inescapable, to be honest. Mm. It's amazing. Like you, you, And I know you love radio and love being on radio. Uh, it was listening to radio. You, you tuned in and you, you, you said, that's oh, right. that's me. You were listening to this discussion. And then the book was born from there. And in a way, in, in, in that whole thing, has it been such a help to you, you know, to perhaps lift that guilt to to say, hold on a minute here. You know, 
let's have a different look at this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that you're right. It was a it was a radio show that was on, and I mean, radio was po- so powerful. Mm. And um, I was in the car, and I was stuck to my seat. I genuinely, I was stuck to my seat listening to these women talk, and it was one woman after another after another, and it was such powerful uh, piece that they actually went on for a couple of days with it. There was so many people ringing in. Mm. And um, I, I genuinely, after, once I heard that piece, I knew what my next book would be. I absolutely, in the moment, it was born in that moment. And then the, the catharsis of then reaching out to women in in on Facebook, looking for people to talk to, because obviously there's four women. They all have different reasons for their infertility. Um, and I wanted to tell is, you know, four separate stories. And I didn't want to just be my experience fictionalized while there is part of my experience in it. There is very much many other women's as well. And that was definitely a catharsis. And it was definitely incredible just to talk to other women like me, because you know, my friends were so good and so kind and so brilliant, but they all had their kids. Mm. And just to be able to talk to women that, you know, didn't or struggled or felt what I felt in that moment or just got it when you said something, oh, I know exactly what you mean, was just lovely. Mm. I want to say this to you. The books are your babies and the joy yeah. they've brought to so many people is just immeasurable. I wanted to say that to you today. Thank you so much, Derek. You always say lovely things and you always make me want to cry. (laughs) I know, I mean that because you're such a brilliant writer and, you know, people just wait for the next one from you and to uh, hang on it. And look at the success you've enjoyed with the books as well. And, you know, they are your family and they are there. The thing about them, they're there forever, forever, ever, ever. You know, it's they just... Are. It, they it, are. It, it is. It, it, and, 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 you know, be proud. Be so proud of that. The four women you mentioned, just back to the book, Caroline, Ronnie, mm-hmm. Janet and, and Nancy. Where do you get these characters from? <laughs> They're incredible. The four of them. They're so different. As you say, have so different stories. Is it an amalgam of those conversations you've had with all those other women? Yeah, it is. And I mean, these characters come definitely from the conversations with other women, but also just living and knowing yeah. people and knowing what they've been through and also kind of trying to represent different women with different problems and going, because I had so many women I spoke to that there was so many different problems. It's not a straight line. It's not the same for, Mm. it's completely different for everyone that I had to pick four stories that I knew would resonate and that I knew I could tell and tell well. So that's what I did. And may I say, you've married Uh, or weaved or whatever you like to call it, the two narratives seamlessly between the present day, you know, 2010, if we call it, and going back to the 70s, you know what I mean, to Catherine's story as well. I congratulate you on that. And and I don't want to give it away because you've got to get this book and read it to understand what we're talking about, how you've brought the 70s and 2010, you know, how it's fused. You know what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I really wanted to, I mean, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say about obviously Catherine in the mother and baby home. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I really wanted to draw a parallel between 
of what happened to young women yeah. and their babies in the 70s in Ireland and how how disposable they were yeah. and um and how women were taken care of so well and the world had changed so much by even 2010 mm. it's mm. extraordinary mm. Mm. the change in our society yeah, and the um, contrast as well, you know, that there yeah. are yeah, young girls who had babies, you know, and you're talking about yeah. the other four who just desperately want them. And yet, as you say, how everything stacked up against them back then. Yeah, absolutely. And how they were seen and how yeah. they were treated mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. simply for having a baby, which is magical. Oh, it's miraculous. <sighs> it's incredible. It's life giving. Mm. And to be treated the way they were treated mm. um, was just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to tell that story. And I got I, I read so much about about mother and babies home, baby homes. And I really wanted to get it right. And actually saying homes is wrong because they were institution. Mm. Homes suggested that there was care and concern and love there. Mm. And there was none of those things there was only horror. Mm. Um, and so I I did all that research. And then I spoke to an amazing woman called Terry Harrison, who was a survivor of a mother and baby institution. And um, I spoke for hours with her. And I mean, I asked her everything, Jerry. I mean, down to what was the smell like in the place? What was the sound like of the nun's feet on the floor? I mean, you know, what was the room like? Tell me uh, every single question I could possibly think of. She answered with the greatest patience. And then every answer she gave, I had 10 more questions to ask. And all she asked of me was that in my fictionalization of this story that I tell the truth because the truth was something and is something that those people, those survivors continue to look for. Mm. And I did my absolute best to represent those women and those children um, and I'm very proud of, of, of the work in this book, to be honest with you. You should be. And may I say that, you know, I read a lot of books and uh, talk to a lot of people about books. This in, in the first six months of this year is the best. It's the best. Aww. It really is. Uh, this Thank I cannot you. highly recommend it enough. Uh, you, you, you've done brilliant, I have to say. And talk about brilliance. Uh, Last Days of Rabbit Hayes, Movie Bound. Yay! Oh, listen, don't be holding your breath now. <laughs> you know what it's like, Jerry. I know. God Almighty. I'll be on next year selling something else. I'll be still talking about the movie. <laughs> so we, we have a director. Yes. We have a fantastic uh, producers on board. And the director is amazing. And we are, we've gone out to look for a casting director. And you know yourself because there's been a pandemic for the last 16 months. Yes. All the casting directors are up to their eyes on it at the moment. So we're in a waiting line, hope, hoping to God that we can get somebody to start casting the film. And then God knows when, when we'll be in the queue for actually filming it. But we're there. And we're plugging away. <laughs> ah, listen, it will happen. There's just the, this little issue of, should I say little, this massive issue of the pandemic, as you say, is right, that has just put everything off kilter. But look, that's uh, we're getting there. Thank God we're yeah. getting there. How have you been? How have you been the last while? How have you found it? Well, you know what? I'm very lucky. I've been great. And I'm, I'm absolutely not going to complain because mm. people have had it so, so hard. And... I mean, look, we've all been hit. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's been easy sailing. But at the same time, 
I realized how lucky I am. And what was amazing about it was at the very start of the pandemic, you know, when we didn't know anything about it and when we were scared that children were vectors and all these words that we'd never heard before, my my um, sister-in-law and her husband moved up to Dublin with their kids to move in with my father-in-law to take care of him. And they thought, oh, my God, the kids are going to kill my father. So I got the 16 year old and I got the or the 15 year old at the time and the 20 year old. And she kept the small fella herself for the first four months of the pandemic. I had the two of them. And since then, I have now he's he's 21 now, 22. I still have um, my nephew, Harry, staying with me and his girlfriend. And it's like I won the children lotto. (laughs) (laughs) You have the best of all worlds, let me say. The witches, they can can head off whenever they feel like it. You feel like it. And uh, I'm sure you're the envy of many because of that. Look, I just want to say to you again, I love chatting to you. And when you read things like this book is like a hug from a best friend after a heartbreaking ordeal when you read things like that and you see the likes of the wonderful Claudia Carroll saying Anna McPartland has the gift of being able to make you laugh and sob and all on a single page wow just wow that's just some of the comments for the book it's brilliant look well done to you again it's riding high and we'll be right up there top of the bestsellers can't wait for the next one but enjoy this one Anna McPartland it's terrific Thank you, Jerry. as always. It's a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Anna McPartland there speaking to me about our new book, Waiting for the Miracle. Waiting for the Miracle is the name of it. I'm holding it over because we have book club next week and I want to do something in particular with this one. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show today. We're stepping back a hundred years. A huge event that left its mark in the northeast with historian Sean Collins and more besides. Stay with us. You know how we love wildlife on late lunch and especially our feathered friends. Had to have a word with my next guest, David Hagen, well known from Doonery Blinds. Hello again. Afternoon, Jerry. David, tell the listeners about your surprise. You have visitors. You have a new family. That's right. They moved into the kids' uh, playhouse, Jerry. <laughs> Myself and Edel were just sitting at the at the table the other night. It was Wednesday night, just having a cup of tea and a sandwich after work. And um, we looked out, and Edel said to me, "There's uh, what we know. What we know now was was a few sparrows flying around the, the kids' playhouse. So it's just your typical playhouse uh, with the steps up the front and and a swing at the side and a slide down the other side. So I said to her, um, God, uh, I wonder is there maybe a nest inside? You know? And, and we kind of said, Nah. The door was closed, so we kind of thought." They'd never get in, and then it just kind of dawned on me. I remember seeing the door open um, a few times over the last couple of weeks, and um, I remember one night seeing it open and thinking, God, I must go ahead and close that, and got sidetracked and didn't. Um, but lo and behold, I went up to the playhouse, up the steps, and walked in, and there before my eyes was uh, this this work of art is, is all I can <laughs> describe it as. It was just um, a lovely bird's nest, which, um, very nicely constructed with mud and straw and lined lovely with feathers on the inside and there was the the eggs sitting there um lovely little board's eggs as well mm. and there was, there was kind of like little brown speckles on the eggs nearly like chocolate so it nearly looked like something you'd see wrapped up in a box in tesco at, at easter or something it was that well presented yes <laughs> so um how many eggs uh, there was about five or six eggs there i think 
And you have identified that, you mentioned sparrows a moment ago, it is a house sparrow's nest. Yeah, I've done a bit of research since, Jerry, and um, yeah, we found out it's a house sparrow, yeah. So um, I believe they take um, about 16 days to hatch. Uh, I'd say they're there maybe a few days now, so maybe another 10 days we might um, see mm. the magical moment when they, they hatch. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah. But isn't this, a, isn't this just lovely? Totally unexpected. They built it quickly now. They didn't have much time, but speed was of the essence. So I take it now the door will be wedged open permanently to let the yeah, parents... Yeah, we left the door open. So what, what used to be uh, the kids' playhouse is now a rather <laughs> large board house. So, uh, just, it's a nursery. It's a nursery, with. David, now. from You're going yeah. backwards <laughs> to the baby That's stage. It. So it's um, great excitement for the kids too. The love, yeah. especially Daniel, he's four now next week and he, he loves going up there in the morning having a look at the eggs and, and checking in. And We're, we're going to try and get a wee camera and, and try and yes. capture the mag- magical moment when, when they do hatch. Ah, oh, that'd be a great idea to follow them along. Ah, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a lovely touch, so it is. And it uh, just shows you uh, nature moves in where there's an opportunity. They wanted a host site to uh, build their little nest and rear their chicks. And your children's playhouse was just it's, ideal. Yeah, it, it's lovely to see, especially in these kind of troubled times with the pandemic and that, yeah. just to see nature so close like that and, and that they carry on as normal and, and to see their simple lives, but they're yet so kind of interesting clever um, yes they're just, they're just amazing uh, creatures you know now they're lovely they're lovely and uh, great to see it we'll keep in touch with you if that's okay and we'll follow the progress of uh, the Hagen family sparrows Hey, Jerry, yeah, lovely to talk to you you too take care of yourself bye bye that's David Hagen there a surprise in the little children's playhouse appropriate isn't it it's Nelly Furtado and I'm like a bird we'll dedicate it to the Hagen sparrows Best of luck with our new clutch. You're beautiful, that's for sure. You'll never, ever fade. You're lovely. Got a lovely card today from community guarder Stacey Luby saying thank you, Jerry, for all the support over the last few years. Ah, oh, lovely, Stacey. Thank you so much. Yes, she was transferred from our area recently, but she didn't forget. I love that about somebody. Thank you, Stacey. You'll be missed. You really will. She's a fantastic uh, Garda in the community here in the North East. Now, just reminding you, if you're a music fan don't miss it tomorrow night. Tune in to LMFM's Facebook page for a brand new Saturday set. It's bringing top music talent to you on our Facebook page starting this weekend and it's kicking off with the brilliant, the four of us. They're playing a selection of their songs from the last 30 years and the new one we played yesterday. It's terrific. That Saturday sets with the four of us live tomorrow, 9 o'clock here on LMFM's Facebook page. Enjoy. Now we return to a regular feature on the show this year, 2021. It is 100 years since that fateful year, 1921, in the history of Ireland and the state of ours. And joining us once more is historian Sean Collins. Hello again, Sean. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. A little overview first. The month of June, a lot happened in this month. My God, isn't there a parallel? What's happening at the minute, 100 years later? But 100 years ago, Sean, what was the situation like on the ground? Was it another bloody month? Yes, it was the sixth month officially of the War of Independence. And a bloody month it was. Um, After the disastrous attack on the Customs House by the IRA in Dublin at the end of May and the big roundup, 
that had taken place, it still didn't deter the volunteers from the 1st of June. Attacks on police and army continued all around the country. Between the 1st and the 11th of June, there were 100 violent deaths here in Ireland. 227 dead by the end of the month, which averaged then seven people a day were dying uh, from gunshots, mortals, all types of de- all types of horrific deaths. Uh, the country was literally awash with mortar. So the War of Independence was at its full height and the IRA were determinedly on the offensive. On the 14th uh, of June, John Donoghue of Red Tote was named as an informer and he was shot by four uh, Dunshotland-based IRA men who were named uh, after the killing. Um, on the 17th, William Campbell, an RAC man in Dundalk, was shot on the Newry Road, uh, just out at Dowdles Hill. Uh, the f- early hours of the following morning, John and Patrick Waters, also of Dundalk, were murdered. Uh, at Mullatee in Carlingford on the 19th, a body was found in James Cunningham's shop, which had been borne by the local police force. On the 26th, Alex MacDonald, another RAC man, was shot in Dundalk. And horrifically, on the 27th of June, Thomas Smith from Beckett uh, went into Navin on business. He was a suspected um, informer and he was um, grabbed effectively in Navin. His family never saw him again. And a day or two later, his body was fished from the River Boyne. Uh, he had his, his hands were tied behind his back. His body was wrapped in barbed wire and weighted down, and the verdict of the coroner was that he had actually died from drowning. A, a really horrific story, but unfortunately at the time, it, were, it, it was a, an everyday occurrence. Um, on the political front, uh, Craig had been appointed the new Prime Minister of Northern Ireland, and on the 22nd of June 1921, King George addressed the fourth session of the Parliament of Northern Ireland, calling on all Irishmen to pause to stretch out the hand of forbearance and conciliation, to forgive and to forget, and to join in making for the land they love a new era of peace, contentment and goodwill. He was answered the next day, the 23rd of June, when Frank Aiken, leading an IRA column in South Armagh, blew up a British troop train with a bomb at out of oil in County Armagh. It carried the King's armed escort, the 10th Royal Hussars, back from the opening of the Northern Ireland Parliament. Five soldiers and a civilian train guard were killed and 50 horses died in the aftermath. And some say that upwards of 80 horses had to be actually buried in the area after the bombing. So that was a, a response effectively to what the king uh, had who had appealed for peace. That was the answer he got. On the 24th of June, the day after the, the uh, incident in County Armagh, the new British coalition government cabinet proposed to start talks with the leaders of Sinn Féin. Austin Chamberlain, the new leader of the party, said that the King's speech ought to be followed up as a last attempt at peace before we go to full martial law. Uh, what they didn't seem to know was that talks had already commenced back in April and May. Craig had been to Dublin to meet De Valera, although it wasn't a very successful meeting, but at least talks were in place uh, and a truce would come, but unfortunately 
It didn't come for the month of June, uh, hence another 210 people dead. But moving back, uh, just looking at one main event, which I, I think is important to look at for LMFM's area, mm. was the murder of the Waters Brothers in Dundalk, yeah. exactly 100 years ago today. Uh, four armed men, who were very likely to be um, auxiliaries of black and tans, broke into Waters' public house. It's now known as the Windmill Bar at Seatown. Uh, Patrick Waters, who was aged 19, John Waters, aged 23, and Bernard Waters were ordered out of bed. Uh, Bernard Waters managed to make an excuse and go back into the house and escape. But his two brothers uh, just weren't so lucky, I'm afraid. Um, Mrs. Waters asked the men what they wanted, and the man replied, that doesn't matter. Uh, the Waters brothers, once they dressed, uh, headed out onto the street, um, um, she told uh, him, the younger brother, Bernard, to go back to bed, uh, that they didn't want him. But the older brother insisted on going out, Patrick. And uh, Patrick and John, they dressed themselves, they went out, and Mrs. Waters followed them. They all walked along the Rampart River wall um, behind the brothers, and Mrs. Waters followed a short distance behind the party. Uh, the gunmen did not hang around. They immediately left the scene, having killed uh, the two brothers, and the mother ran to the local Redemptorist monastery seeking help. Uh, two priests administered the last rites, uh, and the brothers were after an examination and an investigation which gave no conclusive result. Um, they were buried in Undark a couple of days later, uh, in the same graveyard as uh, Constable Campbell, uh, who had been murdered a few hours before them. And both graves, I believe, were visited yesterday by different groups uh, to mark the anniversary, yeah. the, the sad anniversary of both. Uh, in recent publications, uh, people have been saying that the full um, result of the investigation was never released. Mm. But in these cases, we saw it in Drogheda, we saw it in Navan. Uh, the result is always killed by persons unknown. Mm. And we now know with research it was the local RIC who were doing it, or the, the Black and Tans, as they came to be known. Mm. It was a shocking, callous, brutal, in cold blood murder in front of their mother, wasn't it? It was really, it must have been horrendous for the poor mother to see that mm. and to have no satisfaction and to think that uh, the alleged policeman, I call them, could do that and walk away. And it happened in so many places. Uh, the British are never short of complaining about the activities of the IRA, but their own uh, trained uh, policemen and soldiers uh, weren't doing a, a very particularly good job or setting any great example. Uh, in the aftermath of um, the murders, uh, the local district inspector suggested that the IRA had murdered the two Waters brothers. And that's a common one that it was a ploy they used to try and defer um, focus from the authorities but people realised what was happening, it, it, it was willful murder, it, nowadays they'd refer to it I suppose as a shoot to kill policy Yeah, yeah, it was horrendous and we remember them today, John and Patrick Waters who died all those years ago, a hundred years ago, a century ago, on this very day, the 18th of June. Fractious times uh, that continued beyond the month of June as well and Sean we'll be back to you for uh, 
another look at July uh, next month, please, God. But uh, thank you indeed for uh, reminding us of those times 100 years ago, 1921, here in the North East and Ireland. Thanks again, Sean. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. That's Sean Collins there, historian, a brilliant, brilliant fellow. Really knows his stuff. And uh, when you think of that and reflect on it, my word. And as I said today, 100 years on, there you are. Northern Ireland in chaos again from a political point of view. Please, God, there won't be any return to what we many of us can remember as those awful days, even in recent times when life was cheap and so many lives were lost in Northern Ireland. Let's hope that uh, common sense prevails and politics uh, wins out in the end. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. After the break, Bobby McCormick's a man on a mission. Gabby mustn't have got a great report. She says, I was told by my teacher I was wasting my time. I told him I was passing my time. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Thanks, Gabby. Your riddle on Friday. I have two arms, but fingers none. I have two feet, but cannot run. I carry well, but carry best with my feet off the ground. What am I? The answer is a wheelbarrow. Well done to everybody who got it correct. And I have a little gift on its way to Eugene McCooey from Dundalk. Well done, Eugene. Spot on. Wheelbarrow was the answer we were looking for. Bobby McCormack, hello again. Hey, Jerry. How things? Really good. The Sustainable Development Goals Roadshow. God's a mouthful in that. What's it all about, Bob? Well, we're heading around the country next week, Jerry, from Monday to Friday on our new cargo bikes. We've got two wonderful cargo bikes heading off on an epic journey trying to raise awareness of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals across the country. So you're uh, on your bike from Drogheda. There's a Sligo connection here too, isn't there? There is, yeah. We have two bikes, one starting in Sligo, one starting in Drogheda. And we're we're going to meet in Moat on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then we have a few days together and then we have a few days separately again. So we both have a loop of, of going to different communities, but both loops overlap at, um, on Tuesday in most. So seven workshops, uh, lots of meetings, 800 kilometres. And uh, I see you're doing a, a dance to pray for no rain. I'm not so sure, Bobby. I know, I know. I'm looking at the longer term weather forecast more than they've ever done before. So it's, I think, uh, I think a case of, of packing appropriately, making sure we have the, the right gear just in case. Now, uh, on your bikes and uh, travelling in a very eco-friendly way, why is it important to bring this message about the Sustainable Development Goals round the country? What's the whole point of this? What are you trying to achieve? Is it just to to get the the ins and outs of it across to everybody on a one-to-one, not one-to-one, on a group basis on the ground? Is that the idea? Yeah, well, I mean, in Ireland signed up to these goals, all 17 of them back in 2015, and they're to be achieved by 2030. Now, the first obstacle is creating awareness of the goals for right. people to know what they are. And, and sadly, the awareness of the goals six years into them are very low, or one of, one of the lowest across the EU and Ireland. So really what we're trying to do is to get, I suppose, out to communities, hence the bikes, and to try and raise awareness in a fun way. So rather than just thinking about education or learning in a way that involves classrooms and so on, we, we're hosting workshops in, in parks and outdoor settings, not just because of COVID, but also because of COVID. And, and just trying to get people to participate in knowing more about the goals and how they connect to their lived lives. The thing is that these goals are very relevant for people. And if people knew about them, 
arguably they'd make more of a chance of, of doing something about them. Uh, we have a Green Party representation in our coalition government and they have been pushing, you know, the Green Agenda and others besides and they're committed, I, I take it, to these goals as well. How committed do you believe our government are? You mentioned a time frame there of years. Does it disappoint you? It certainly does. I mean, in, in terms of like we're 11th out of the 15 um, EU member states that will always be established 15. So we're, we're low down. Um, you know, it, it's a case that really it's not just the environmental side of things. It's also the economic. It's also the social. But but certainly it's the environmental goals that Ireland seems to be performing worse in. So climate, water, um, air, these types of things leave a lot of room for improvement. But but other goals as well leave a lot to be desired. So so really it's trying to look at sustainable development in an integrated way. And as I say, we have a long way to go. Ireland sadly is lagging lagging behind and, and it really is a case that all of our political parties and citizens because politicians can't do this on their own citizens need to you know pull their way so you know we're trying to do our bit next week on the bikes and trying to kind of meet with communities and, and hopefully we'll be able to meet with politicians along the way as well to try and encourage them to do far more mm. when you when you go through them and there are 17 but like the ambitions are noble you know no poverty zero hunger good health and well-being for all quality education gender equality and the ones you touched on there clean water clean energy you know that type there's a there's a, there's a real amalgam of aims and goals there is it possible, you know, to get there? Like, you're a man who's involved in this all your life. You know, there's a lot of them in it trying to uh, affect change in all the areas. Is that possible simultaneously? I think without a doubt, um, you know, the interconnectedness of the goals is really important because it's virtually impossible to achieve any one of them as if they were something separated mm. to everything else. They more or less move in tandem anyway. And, and is it possible without doubt but the, but the choice that faces communities right across the world is, are we going to work towards achieving them or not? That, that really will determine whether or not they're achieved. In, in ideal terms, they are very much achievable. We, the, you know, these things are contributed to heavily by humans right across the planet. So if we make the problem, we can solve the problem. So, so I see no reason why we can't achieve these things between now and 2030. The, the big question is, you know, do we want to? And that, of course, comes down to choices that we make. OK, just before you go, if people want to follow what's going on, join in, attend these sessions at the seven different uh, workshops, can they? Where do they yeah. get the information? Well, two, in two ways, Jerry. One is that, you know, across our social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we, you can follow our progress of both bikes as we go. But people who wish to sign up for the workshops themselves, we have an event right that you can easily just Google. Just Google the SDT Roadshow and you can register from there very easily. There you go. It's quite simple. Wish you well. Good luck with the weather. Take care, Bobby. Thanks, Jerry. SDG goals, sustainable development goals. Check it out and uh, follow them there. I wish them well. Our competition on late lunch this week comes to a climax now because each day we've been picking somebody to go into the hat. Now today, you know it's musical chairs with the songs, I played this. Looking for, four was the word I'm looking for and by God you came in with your fours today. Today's finalist 
uh, in the hat is Caroline Burke. You hit the number right, number eight call or number eight texter, should I say, today. Caroline Burke, you are in the draw now. So let me run through who we have. One of you are going to win. It's an all-female lineup. Karina O'Malley is number one. Number two is Maria Manning. Number three is Joan Martin. Number four is Mary Caffrey. And number five now is Caroline Burke. And have a listen. Now, these little... I didn't do this. These were done anonymously to me. Anyway, five little numbers wrapped up, lovely and tight, in a little container here. Let me give them a shake around there. Close my eyes, close my eyes, close my eyes. Dip in, dip in. I'll pick one. So here we are. Let me open this. So whoever comes out wins the €500 Euro prize for House Proud Furniture, Northlink Retail Park. Their super sale of the century is now on. Let me open this little piece of paper. God's folded, folded, folded. Let me open it. What number have I? And the number is number two. So, Maria Manning, you win the €500 voucher on late lunch this afternoon. Commiserations to the other four, but that's it. It's the look of the draw. Maria Manning is the winner of that €500 voucher. And listen, don't despair. You can still win uh, a uh, prize on our Facebook page. If you head over there now today, Friday, there's a €200 House Proud voucher up for grabs on LMFM's Facebook page. The waiting to see you. They have everything for the home. They're open 9.30 till 6, Monday to Saturday, and on Sunday from 1 to 6 at House Proud Furniture. Remember that super sale of the century is now on, and they'll welcome you in and look after you, I promise. And thanks to them for that lovely prize on late lunch this week. Now, time to conclude my story of Take That, my artists of the week on late lunch. As a three-piece, Take That released their eighth album called Wonderland in 2017 and they followed up with with a tour that played the UK, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand and the Middle East. It was a huge tour and by God did their fans flock out to see them. And then to celebrate their 30th anniversary, 30 years, in 2019, they released a greatest hits album. It was called Odyssey, which once more saw them reach number one in the UK album charts. Incredible. From boy band to man band. Yes, that's music that's matured and transcended the generations. They really have moved on with time. Brilliant performers, wonderful live staging, some of the most memorable shows ever put on by anybody. Yes, Take That fans will remind you of that. Today I round off my reprise of Take That with a song released on November 24, 2008. It's the lead single from their fifth album, The Circus. Yes, the greatest day from Take That, my artist of the week. Today this could be the greatest day of our lives. Friday afternoon, time to look ahead to a big sporting weekend. Starting this evening with the League of Ireland, Dundalk and Drogheda in action and Vinnie Perth is back guiding the ship at Oriel Park. Our man for sport every week on late launch is the communications manager with Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Hello again, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Well, Vinny's back after weeks of speculation. Well, you know what? I think it's a good appointment. Vinny Perth was very successful, of course. He spent a lot of time as Stephen Kenny's understudy. Then he took the reins and he had a really successful stint at Oriel Park. So hopefully, Jerry, this can bring a bit of stability because obviously there has been a lot of problems with the club both on and off the pitch. I mean, Dundalk are sitting in eighth place in the table. You would have never thought that with the squad that they have. 
They're up against the bottom side this week in terms of Longford. And here's hoping Vinny um, can work a bit of magic. And normally when a manager comes back or if it's a new manager, they, most teams get a bounce. And I'm hoping that Dundalk will get a bounce because they really do need to start picking up some points. They're 14 points off Shamrock Rovers after only 15 games, Jerry. So it's not good enough. They've only won four matches this season. Terrible, terrible return. But I think Vinnie Perth can start his second stint in charge with a victory against Longford. Now, Drogheda also in action. And what a return after the break for them last week. I know we spoke that they didn't want the break. They're in such good form. But it's continued on. They went to Sligo and beat the league leaders. They're in Daily Mount tonight up against Bowes. Unbelievable, Jerry. I mean, look, the two of us, I think, agreed that the break came at the wrong time for Drogheda. But what a performance to go to Sligo and get three points. Drogheda sitting in fourth place in the table. They're only six points off top. And Jerry, at the moment, you'd be a silly man to say Drogheda couldn't win again because they're just going so well at the minute. But this is a this is a tough game against Bowes. Uh, Bowes, they've won six, drawn three and lost six. So they don't draw too many. However, Drogheda are four points ahead of them in the table. And I just have a feeling Drogheda can make it back-to-back wins. This Drogheda side, Jerry, they're playing with a lot of freedom. They don't seem to have any pressure on them and they're a joy to watch. So for me, Drogheda to beat Bowes, maybe by the odd goal. And the big game then on Monday, there's another series of matches. It's the Loud Derby, Drogheda and Dundalk in uh, the uh, Boyneside town. Uh, that one to look forward to for supporters as well. Now let's switch to the European Championship finals. And what a match this evening. The old foes, England taking on Scotland. Have the Scots any chance, Leon? Well, do you know something, Jerry? They... They created an awful lot of chances against the Czech Republic, but they just didn't finish them. And I have to say, I was a little bit surprised with Steve Clark's first 11. He picked a championship striker over a Premier League striker um, in terms of Che Adams off Southampton. He brought him on at half time, and he did seem to make a bit of a difference. So I think, honestly, Steve Clark has got to get his selection right. Um, we've got a no-lose 10 euro bet on the game. And for me... I just think England, Jerry, they weren't great against Croatia, but they got the job done. Gareth Southgate made a couple of surprise decisions. He played Kieran Trippier, left full, which shocked a lot of people. Phillips off Leeds was probably man of the match. Um, so he's probably done his chances no harm at all. But I think there could be gold in this one, Jerry. I think Scotland, they're going to have to go for it. They need to get something from this game. And... With Robertson, I think Tierney might be back as well, so that's a plus for the Scotsmen. But I just fancy England to win. Both teams to score and England to win is the way I'm going to go tonight. I think it's working out at around 3-1. to one. That's how I see this game going. But I do think there's going to be some goals in this. The tournament overall, I think there's been a couple of really impressive performances by Italy, but you'd have to counter that by saying the opposition wasn't up to much. Turkey and Switzerland, they're no great shakes. Belgium, Got another win under their belts. The French are obviously three points, having beaten Germany 1-0. And I always felt the French had another gear to go to if they really needed it. Portugal left it late, obviously, to get that win against Hungary. That's a big game now in that particular group, Portugal against Germany. If Portugal beat Germany, Jerry, I think Germany could be knocked out. We mightn't even see them in the last 16. So that's a huge game. I actually... If I was to pick one, I think Portugal can get by Germany. They've got so many attacking uh, weapons at their disposal. But overall, it's been a decent tournament so far. 
But I think, Jerry, honestly, the winner, in my opinion, should come between the likes of Portugal, Italy, or France. And I'm going to stick with the Italians. I tipped them up at the start of the tournament. I see no reason why I should desert them just yet. Let's finish today with golf because the third major is happening. The US Open at Torrey Pines on the west coast of America. Now it's difficult time-wise for viewing. It goes into the uh, wee hours of the morning. First round just completed. And generally, first round leaders, well, they don't tend to win, but the big guns are lurking. The big guns are certainly lurking. Great to see Louis Oosthuizen. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, he's joint leader, four under par at the moment. Francesco Molinari, a very, very solid golfer. Doesn't make too many mistakes in there at three under par. John Ram, um, two under par as well. Rory McIlroy, a really good start by Rory. He's only three off the pace. He's, he's one under par. Ram, at the moment, is the bookmaker's favourite. Like just Jerry, you know what? I'd like to see Rory McIlroy get another major. And um, normally, what happens, Rory, in a lot of these majors is he's always chasing because his first round is so bad. But that was a solid first round. He's only three off the pace, and we all know how talented Rory McIlroy is. He's still around about a twelve to one chance. Ball sports are still paying the first six places, so I think McIlroy each way first six at twelve to one. He's only three off Dustin Johnson right behind him in the betting. John Ram, as I said, a very, very solid golfer. We all know what happened to him a couple of weeks ago when obviously he tested uh, positive for COVID. I think he would have won that tournament. He was going so well. So Ram is an exceptional talent, the young Spaniard. But I'm going to go with McElroy. I think that the price is 12 to 1 each way for six. I think McElroy couldn't go very close to claiming another major. That's fantastic, Leon. Thanks as usual. Talk to you, Leon, a week from today. All the best, Jerry. Leon Blanche there at Boyle Sports looking ahead to the weekend in sport. That's a lot on late lunch for another week. Thanks to all our guests through the week, to my producer Louise Walsh, couldn't do it without her, and to your listeners who are a company every single day. We appreciate it. Paul McKenna's coming next with The Drive. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new week of late lunch from 1.30 on the longest day. Have a lovely weekend. See you Monday. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find the commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.